welcome in to the CHGO White Sox post-game podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And welcome into our West Loop Studios. You guys look a little different than Vinny, myself, and Sean. I am still me. I'm Herb Lawrence. Hi. Ecknerwall23 is the way you can follow me. These two guys I'll get to in a second, but first... Next week, next Sunday, is Father's Day. And what better gift than to give your father a T-shirt from the CHGO collection. You go to CHGO Locker and buy one and get one half off. Get your dad the one that you buy at a full price. Get yourself the one you buy at half price or vice versa. It doesn't matter. But what matters is you have to buy these and order these. Buy tomorrow for guaranteed delivery before next Sunday so your father can enjoy your gift that you care about him. If you have a dad in your life, maybe he's not your father. You just say, hey, that guy looks like he needs a CHGO Skyline shirt or a New Bears one or a QB1 one. Any of those. Marion Hosa shirt. Get yourself one today. Get the second one half off. With that, welcome in. I'm usually sitting in the middle seat, but in the middle seat today is my guy, Peter Fonseca. Sometimes you see him in the comments. Early in the pregame, you saw him in the, po- the comments. He goes by baloney. He's right here. He's one half or one-fourth of the Chicago Sports Bump. The other half that's joining me today, my man Johnny. Johnny is chilling over there. He comments sometimes, Windy City Rebel 4 is the way you can find him on the tweeters. And he is one-fourth of the Chicago Sports Bumps. On the other side of the camera, if you are joined us in the pregame, you saw our guys Jason and Dougie who are back there. They're going to be commenting from time to time. So join in in the conversation after this demoralizing, depressing, Horrid loss to the GD Miami Marlins. The White Sox started this game off so strong. Lucas Giolito was LGLG. The bullpen looked like they're all right. And then that eighth and ninth inning happened, and the White Sox lose six to five, dropping their record to nine games below 500 and stopping them from their street, their series streak they had of a two game, two series streaks in a row, could have had a third over the Marlins, which would have looked really good because the offense actually showed up today. Peter, I'm going to go to you first. Your thoughts after that depressing loss? It's depressing. It's demoralizing. It's everything we've come to expect from the 2023 White Sox. Um, In a different world, in a bizarre world, we're talking about a sweep uh, against the Marlins and a series win and them not ruining our lovely visit to the CHGO studios. Thank you, Herb. And not only that, they ruined Southpaw's birthday. So they're just bad on all fronts. Um, They ruined Giolito's start, um, a five-run output that, by all accounts, nowadays is an offensive explosion. So all of these good things got negated by, once again, them blowing it, and mostly the bullpen blowing it. So, yeah, I I wanted to be here on different um, circumstances. I thought we were going to be joyous and jovial and and talking about uh, a series win and let's go to the Dodgers and go take two from them. Mm -hmm. And now it's just more of the same. So it's tough. Johnny? I mean, we were were on such a high with the Yankees series. And, you know, coming in, I mean, we could have easily swept the series. Oh, man. One thing is, like, Okay, yeah, we lost yesterday. It was a 1-0 game. Okay. We were up 5-1 in the ninth, or, or going into the, or it was it 5-3 going into the ninth inning. I mean, you had this game. You mm-hmm. had this game. And for the most part, um, Joe Kelly and Graveman, they've been two of our best bullpen pitchers. And the fact that they've blown it back-to-back, it just, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I'm just, it, it, it is definitely depressing. And before we get too much into depressing uh, talk. I forgot to ask you guys, like I asked your friends before, your White Sox origins. Like, what made you in this, you know, vein of being depressed on June, what, June 11, 2023? What initially got you to be in this uh, depressing fan base? Well, um, and you guys, by the way, if you guys didn't know, you guys are related. Yes, we are. We cousins, are cousins. Yeah. Um, both of us grew up, we're, you know, six months apart. Johnny is a little bit older than me, only by age. Um, but, um, yeah, we had no choice. Dougie told his story in the pregame show, talking about how his family was Cubs fans, but he decided to be a rebel. We had no choice. Uh, all of our family grew up on the south side. Johnny's still on the south side. My grandma, my, her house is right on Archer and Damon. 
um, everyone is White Sox fans. So we just grew up um, in this misery, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, we love the team, but we hate feeling like this. It's tough. It's just the worst feeling ever. We had, like, initially when uh, you get the likes of Braxton whatever, Garrett shutting you down for five innings, five and a third, by the way, a guy who came into the game with a 447 ERA, the White Sox looked, you know, lifeless against him. I think he got either nine or ten strikeouts nine. today, and he's is his season high in strikeouts. It's just so depressing that this record is just broken. The White Sox, I don't know what they have for advanced scouts or player pro, player pro scouts and actually understanding what the other team does to them, but they struggle. As uh, HBIC said before the game, he's like, they had, none of these players has ever seen Braxton Garrett today, and it showed because he, 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 he called had, it. He had absolute trash out there, but he was striking the White Sox out left and right, aggressive when they need to be patient, patient when they need to be aggressive, and that's how you get a guy that looks that bad versus everybody else. The Kansas City Royals, the start before, had four on runs off of this dude. And the White Sox like, no, that man, shit, we can't see him at all. So this is the depressing thing because then you get another quality, not even quality, it's like, it's like top-notch pitching performance from LG, LG. Lucas Giolito, large game Lucas Giolito comes out and does the thing like he usually does. And then the eighth inning, you're like, okay, man, well, we just got those insurance runs from Luis Robert hit that home run. Baby, game's over. Like, that's what I was thinking. We, we had I, in the bag. Like, I know Liam, and I'll get to the Liam news in a second. Liam just went on the IL today. And so, but before Liam came back, the beginning of May, this was the best bullpen in the month of May, in the bleeding into June. Now, as Johnny says, you get a back-to-back blown save by Joe Kelly. That was a one-run lead, so you can give him a little grace, but he gave up five runs. And in this game, they gave up runs, two solo home runs given up by Keenan Middleton, and then the three runs scored in the ninth inning off of Kendall Graveman. Are you worried that now Liam's absence, two back-to-back bad bullpen uh, appearances versus the same team will put this team into a bad spot? You think the bullpen is something to be worried about since there's no Liam and no lockdown closer? It's Jekyll and Hyde, right? Because I feel like this June still, I mean, record-wise, much better. The April was abysmal. And most of that April had to do with not only the hitting and starting pitching, but nobody to trust in the bullpen. Mm -hmm. Of late, it seemed like the bullpen was getting their stuff together. And now, like we had the discussion pre-show this morning, yesterday Pedro Grifol had kind of his hands tied. Liam wasn't available. Graveman wasn't available. And it seemed like he had limited options. Today, I thought... All right, we got Kenyon Middleton. He had been pitching good. He gives up two. Mm-hmm. Graveman comes in to, to close out the night. He should be your closer. He gives up the lead. So now, as much as we like to rag on Pedro, how is this his fault? Because there's no one you trust on this bullpen. And when you're not scoring runs, even though they scored five today, when you're not scoring runs, you have to lean on that bullpen. And you just can't. So, yeah, I feel bad just because there's no one on this bullpen that where I think he's going in there and he's shutting people down. I agree. And uh, we've got a super chat from James Omaday. If you don't think the White Sox choked that game, you're insane. Uh, I think they did choke the game. I think we're all in agreement there. I'm sure everybody who's commenting that they did choke this game away. Let's see how they did it. Let's go to the game summary. Jorge Soler in the fifth inning hits that solo shot off of uh, Lucas Giolito, his only blemish of the game. Luke, and then you get in the bottom of the six where Jake Berger gets that double uh, off of Jonathan. I mean, Jonathan Davis uh, deflects the ball off of right fielder uh, Jesus Sanchez. Andrew Vaughn scores. You had to have Andrew Vaughn score because Jesus Sanchez, oof, he went a full-out dive. I think if he lets that ball just drop in front of him, throws Andrew Vaughn out by like 10 feet. He has a play at the plate. And plus yeah. he, he had like a rough out, like the first inning. It oh, looked yeah. like he was having a hard time trying to like locate the ball. So, um, yeah. Then that yeah. same inning, you get uh, disrespect, apparently. Andrew Benintendi gets intentionally walked in front of Romy Gonzalez. I thought it was a good move. Romy Gonzalez did not think it was a good move. He's like, what the hell? You're disrespecting me in front of my people here? In front of Missy Carroll? What are we doing here? Hits a double down the line. Both of those run a score three to one. We're like, baby. Yeah. We're in the, after they got that, I was like, they're in. They're in like Flynn. The bullpen is going to be solid. 
Yesterday was just a blip because it only happened to one guy, Joe Kelly. White Sox are going to win this game. No, sir. But in the bottom of seventh, you get that home run, two-run home run by Luis Robert, who barely reacts. He's like, all right, cool. And balls, maybe foul. He just admires the ball because Very he's close to being so damn strong that he just crushed the ball down the left field line. And then on top of the eight, they get Keenan Middleton coming in the game, gives up the solo shot to Jorge Soler, and then Garrett Cooper, who they have three Garretts in their lineup, Too many. the starting pitcher, and then Garrett Hampson came in later on in the game. Top of the ninth, you get Kendall Graveman in the game. You're like, all right, here we go. It's going to close it out. It's got a two-run lead. It's very safe. Yeah, you give that solo home run up, you'll be fine. That's what James Segura did, hit it off the fair pull to get it to 5-4, to four, and then you get the double down the line. We were watching a little bit in the post game where Ozzie Guillen is going off on both Yohan Mankata and it seems like Pedro Grafol for not playing the players down the line, so not playing the first baseman and the third baseman down the line to protect against a double, and I kind of agree with him right there. Like, that's the thing you can get beat by right there, a shot down the line, and that tips off of Yohan's glove, uh, pinballs into the left field uh, corner, and then Andrew Benintendi had a pop gun arm. They almost had a play, but they need better you know, fielders. Andrew Benintendi hasn't been doing anything with the bat, and his arm is garbage. So, of course, that runner scores from first. That is pretty much the game, and the White Sox go meekly into the bottom of the ninth and get out. So, is there anything in this game – in that ninth inning, do you agree with Ozzy that you should be playing no doubles right there, that you should be having those guys on the corners a little bit closer to the line, Johnny? Absolutely. I mean, Yohan's a, a great third baseman. So, I mean, obviously, like a couple of batters later, he caught that ball against Guriel. So, I mean, definitely you, you want to make sure you're protecting that you're not going to get that double. If he gets a base hit, that's fine. The runner does a score or whatever. But I agree with Ozzy. I mean, it. I don't know what – Rafal's thinking, but, I mean, you have a good third baseman right there who can protect that line, so absolutely he should have been closer to the line. Yeah, and it goes to the bigger point where, I mean, it's cliche, right, but good teams win this game. Mm -hmm. Bad teams find a way to lose, and that's what we did these last two games. They found ways to lose these games. Um, as much as I didn't want to question Pedro on the bullpen usage because of the limited arms, you could definitely question, and rightfully so, by Ozzy, of what are you doing to make this team better? And at this point, Pedro... I don't know if he's helping his team win or not because as much as the players aren't helping themselves, your manager's got to put you in positions to win. And whether it's, you know, keeping pitchers in too long or bullpen choices or even defensive plays, Pedro's not doing it either. So, I mean, the blame could go around all over. You know, we could pick and choose on who to blame, but at this point, all across the board, blame could be put to people. Yeah, and we got a Dougie who's uh, watching on the other side says that the catcher's interfering in the ninth inning didn't Huge. help either. Yeah. Like, I don't know why catchers get catcher's interferences. Like, I get it. They're trying to get strikes quicker and trying to get that pitch in Frame. their glove before it drops out of the strike zone. I get it. But also, that hitter, it's not the, it's not the guy. I understand why people get it versus Luis Robert. It's better him going to first than him circling the bases like he did in the seventh inning. But, ugh, just... Just just allow the ball to get to you. Especially because we talked about it pre-show. This team, this lineup for the Marlins is a two-player lineup. Exactly. Luis Arise and Jorge Soler, who the last two games have been, has been lights out. Mm -hmm. Other than that, let these guys beat you. you know? Don't give them second chances. Let Luis Arise get his and Jorge Soler definitely got his. But other than that, we said it's a Sunday lineup. We didn't know much, most of those guys. You, you did the thing where it's like, who's this guy? Who knows? Um, and they found a way to lose to those guys. Yeah, four solo home runs for the Miami Marlins. Got the job done. I see we got some super chats. Let's get to them right quick. Stefan Bardo, uh, Husky Bardo uh, on the Twitters. Let's see. Lance Lynn is going to get destroyed Tuesday. Godless. I don't know if that meant, he meant godless. Probably goodness. But God, he probably meant so Lance Lynn is also godless. I don't know if he knows him. I don't know if he knows him like <laughs> it could that. Go either way. Yeah. You guys got Joey P. White Sox deserve a lot of bad words. Agreed. And then somebody very special to your heart. You want to read that one in the middle? Uh, yeah. A forty nine ninety nine super chat. Uh, there goes my lunch money. Thanks again, Herb and CHGO, for having the bums, especially my baloney, who has a first name P E T E R. But I'm happy to share him with you all because ju he's just that great. So thank Aww. you, thank you, Julie. Love you, Julie. That's very um, sweet. Thank you. But yeah. 
no problem. Forty nine ninety nine. I'm gonna grab a couple more beers on the way out. Yeah, you um, should grab a couple more beers to pay for that. Yeah, you got what a ten one in the in the pregame, a forty nine ninety nine in the second game. Hey man, thank you. We appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Let's get to the good about this game, and of course that's LGLG. Lucas Giolito yep. doing things the right way. He went seven innings, gave up six hits, one earned run. That was that home run by Jorge Soler earlier, the first home run. Only one walk, and he struck out eight. I mean, there's just so few things to say. Like, there's words miss you where you had this guy in 2022 was just bad. And a lot of us wanted to DFA him, wanted to trade him. Want to demote him, things like that. And let's get to that bum, uh, Braxton Garrett, since it was up there. Sorry, Steven. Uh, five and a third. There's no one runs. Three hits. Nine Ks. Nine goddamn Ks for that guy. And only one walk. Braxton Garrett. But Lucas Giolito, the superlatives fail because this guy just keeps on going out and doing his thing. And I'll ask you the question I think one of you guys asked about, is Lucas Giolito the true ace of the White Sox this year? Right now, he's looking like it. I mean, he's had back-to-back starts where he did almost a no-hitter in, in, in against the Yankees, and he pitched pr- really well against the uh, the Marlins. I mean, he he got a little bit um, in a uh, little bit of issues in the third inning, but overall, I mean, he did he did great. I mean, the pitch count was a lot better than it was against the Yankees the last time out. He went seven innings. So, uh, as of right now, he is doing a lot better than. Where, where we are hoping that he would be. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I would think right now, uh, Giolito's the ace. Yeah, and hand up. I had probably a tweet out there that said, like many White Sox Twitter people, that Lucas Giolito was cooked. Um, and he's proven all of us wrong. Um, I had that stat. Uh, 2.86 ERA over the last 12 starts. He's pitching like an ace. He's pitching like a number one. And he's pitching like a man that's looking to get some money in the offseason. All rightfully so. Yep. Um, whether or not... The White Sox are going to give him that money. That's left to be seen. But he is showing that he still has something to prove. Um, And we need that. We needed an outing from Lucas like that because, like Stephen Bardo had mentioned, we got Lance Lynn going on Tuesday against the Dodgers. And I could just, you know, we cross your fingers and knock on wood all you want. We don't know what we're going to get from Lance Lynn. So Gio is proving it. Lance isn't. But whether or not he's 1A or 1B with with Cease – that's left to be seen, but at this point, he's earning that money. He is, and that's the thing I'm always cautioning with Sean and Vinny usually on the set is this is his last year, and we're sad because as White Sox fans, we know he's not coming back next year. Not necessarily because he doesn't want to come back, but he's going to price himself out of the White Sox. He's got a three-and-a-half ERA right now. I think it's him or Berger or Luis Robert, not – not multiples of that. Just one of those guys is going to be representing the White Sox up in Seattle for the All-Star game. But he's looking like a guy that might be up there and looking like a guy that is trying to get his money right. I was thinking four years, a million dollars is going to be in his wheelhouse, about $25 million each season. I don't know if people think that's a little high, a little low for Lucas Gilito, but that's Zach Wheeler, he's uh, uh, Jason thinks it's going to be Zach Wheeler-ish type uh, deal. Let me see. What was that, uh, Jason? Do you remember? It's about five for 125, so that's 25 each each yeah. year. So, yeah, and you know Jerry Reinsdorf's resistance against going four years plus for starting pitchers, even if that starting pitcher has done what he has done as Lucas Giolito's got a no-hitter on his resume. He's shown that he's the ace of the staff multiple years uh during this uh, rebuild slash championship contention. But what are your thoughts on Bob Nightingale's thought that the White Sox are going to shop him no matter where they're at? Because currently the White Sox are four and a half games behind the Minnesota Twins. If they're closer, two and a half, or if they're farther back, seven and a half games, do you think by the trade deadline that Lucas Giolito, after the trade deadline, will be still a White Sox? And do you want him to be a White Sox after the trade deadline? I think he should be a White Sox. I think he will be. Whether or not they shop him, I mean, they got to do their due diligence, and that's with everyone. But this division, when we talked about it, is so bad. As much as they're giving games away right now, they're still in it. Yep. And no one's going to run away with this division. If you trade Lucas Giolito, you're waving the white flag, and the little fandom that we have left 
is going to revolt. White Sox Twitter might be on fire. Um, and, like, shout out Beeflo from the 108. He had that blog out this week. The White Sox should be buyers. Whether or not they're buyers or not, they can't be sellers. I, um, I agree. So you have to keep him. You know, if he leaves in the offseason, you get that draft pick. At least it's something. But I just don't see them waving the white flag because of how bad this division is. Johnny? I would say another thing, too, is, like, what would be the return for Jay Leto? Like, what would you think you would be getting? I guess that, that's another question. Yep. Like, this is not the Giolito of when he came back to that bounce-back season. I mean, you're he's what, like, maybe on another good team, maybe a, 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 he's not an ace on a, a different Two team. or three. Yeah, two or three. I'm going to say two or three. What's the return you're going to get from him? So that's, like, another thing. And you got you still got GM Rick Hahn yeah. doing these moves, so – that's that's the other thing you got to think about. It's like, what's going to be the return if you if you do end up trading Giolito? The only good part about the White Sox being a seller at that point, and they, I agree with you, they should never be sellers. There's, there's no reason. Making the playoffs is a very easy thing. They have an easier road to make the playoffs than the Yankees do in their own division. I know the Yankees can make the wild card, but those teams are hard in the East, and they got to play them a lot. Uh, the only good part about you know shopping Zio and maybe having um, one of the teams that or all the teams that are bidding for your services is that there's very few sellers. The A's are sellers, but who's on the starting rota- rotation that you want? The Royals are sellers, but who's on that starting rotation that you want? Detroit, they're close to us. They're only a game behind yeah. the White Sox. Are they sellers? They could use a starting pitcher up there in Detroit, but... Other than that, most of the National League is in it because that NL Central is terrible. And most of the AL is in it. So you have more suitors for Giovanni, uh, Giovanni <laughs> Giolito's uh, services. And you'll have somebody maybe driving it up where you can get a pitcher that is either ready to start this year or ready to start next year. Because the big pitcher of the White Sox is, we've already said Lance Lynn sucks mm-hmm. or has been having a sucky year. For more than, more than likely, he's going to get the $1 million buyout instead of the $18 million deal next year. Lee, Lucas is gone, and then we're going to have a decision on Mike Clevenger. Whether you like him or not, he's been mid to slightly above mid this year. I don't want him back just so I don't have to cheer for the fucker anymore. Yep. He's not worth this. The juice is not worth the squeeze. So you have three starting rotation spots there next year staring you in the face. And we know this team with money, they're not going to be, you know, be throwing money at these free agent starters. And also, free agent starters are not that great. Mark Stroman, good. Luke Schiolito, pretty good. Then there's like Clayton Kershaw. There's a Martin Perez. There's a couple others mixed in there. But it's not like the White Sox are going to be at that top market anyways. But it's not like there's a lot of depth in the market. So they could get a top-line prospect that could be ready to pitch immediately or early next year for the White Sox if they're thinking about shopping Lucas. That's the only thing I could see as a positive for the White Sox, shopping him and then maybe trading him at the deadline. Other than that, they're going to be in this thing because we've seen this division is crap. Until Cleveland starts playing like Cleveland last year, the division will still be crap. Yeah, and the issue with shopping Geo, and you had mentioned the la- the possibility possibility of losing three starting pitchers this year and maybe getting, you know, a serviceable prospect or starter this year. There's no one in the White Sox farm system that you can plug and play. The depth on the White Sox, starting pitching-wise, is so barren that we can't trade a Lucas Giolito and bring somebody up because there's no one up. There's no one that can be up. So that's another reason where Jesse Shulton. And so that's where this trade deadline, you hope, knock on wood again, that Rick Hahn gets creative to make this team better and not really wave the white flag. I just don't have the faith that he can get creative because creativity is in his strong suit. All right. I'm going to read a couple of these uh, chats. Then we're going to take a quick break. And then after the break, I'll ask you guys your faith in both Rick Hahn and Pedro Gofal. And then we're scheduled to be joined by Jared Willis, who is in for Vinny Duber right now. Let's see. He call in like usually 10, 20 minutes from now, Steven. We'll see. Super chat, our guy, Little Yumper. Herb, love the Illini gear, ILL. Baloney, love the shirt. Johnny, rocking the stash, fire. That's uh, in honor of Vinny Duber? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just a shorter version of Vinny, that's all. So. <laughs> there you go. It's a $10 super chat for Yumper. And then our guy, Matt Zawaski, Father's Own, 
four ninety nine. Well, that sucked. At least the post game show is handsome. Thank Two you. Two thirds of it is. Thanks, so. yeah. No, nah, we're batting a thousand for handsome right now. Yeah, I will say that. Oh, thank you, sir. I try. All right, we got the game time read, and uh, I don't know if you guys have been following the show. I went down to Atlanta last year. It was a mistake because it was the time of the year. It was like September, hot as hell. Don't do that. If you're in the market to buy tickets, which I was in the market to buy tickets, go to game time, especially if it's last minute. If a game has already started, it's like the first inning. That's where the prices get real cheaper and get a, they drop a lot. Let's say you don't want to go to a White Sox game. Let's say you don't want to put money into Jerry's hands directly. So you don't want to go to the White Sox website. You don't want to go to Ticketmaster. Go to game time. That money's already in Jerry's pocket. You're just getting into some other guy who's getting fewer dollars from you than you, what he gave to Jerry. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music and comedy, and theater that you want. With killer deals on last-minute tickets, their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped and fun that you'll have. My personal experience is that I went to Atlanta, got the tickets for Courtney and I to sit. I went to check out Game Time's 110% guarantee. I was like, there's no way this could be true. So I checked other sites. Most of them didn't have a cheaper price, but one did. I took a screenshot of that. It was in the same section, same game. Sent it to Game Time 12 minutes later. I kid you not. 12 minutes nice. later, gave me the difference of what, it was. It was $46. I got my account. Me, Steven, and Sean went to a game later on that year versus the White Sox because I don't like putting Jerry, money into Jerry's pocket unless I'm at the concession stand. Sorry about that. Yeah, at that point, I mean, we have to. Yeah, sorry. I got no other things unless Lucas doing those, those delicious Uncrustables, which he missed me yesterday. His arm wasn't strong enough. Him and Jerry, oh. they tried to get it <laughs> to me, out. but I was up in row 25. They were way down there. I couldn't get in. And there's people in my row who can catch. Uh, let's see. Game time is a place for last-minute last tickets. Forget planning months ahead. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets from football, basketball, basketball, Baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. You'll find tickets in some other uh, section or some other, the same section for a, no, let's see. Let me read that again. Do, 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 do. If you find tickets in the same section and a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference within 12 minutes, at my point. Snag these tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Did that with my mom when she went to get Beyonce tickets. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download the Game Time app. Last-minute tickets, low price, guaranteed. Yeah, mom was going to take $900 to some person she knows, like actual cash. She called me because my sister, Sharice, like, hey, call Herbert and see what he can do. Make sure that, you know, he, you tell him the story. And I was like, mom, come on now. Uh, luckily, I had the Game Time hookup. I was like, go there, CHGO, $20 off. And it was only like $700 for the Beyonce ticket. There's two of them instead of the 900 she was going to pay to a stranger who was going to give her paper tickets. I was like, was it the 30s paper <laughs> tickets? That's a scam. Yeah, I'm about to say, exactly, Mom. I'm glad you listened to me, and now my mom's a happy Game Time customer. Now, Lewis University. Many of our students are adults just like you. Many have full-time jobs and or families. All of them chose Lewis Supportive Educational Community to help make their transition back to school as easy as possible and earn a respected degree. 35 miles southwest of Chicago in Romeoville, ranked as one of the U.S. News and World Report's top-tier colleges, Lewis partners with numerous employers for tuition discounts and, and offers evening online blended formats to help you balance work, family, and education. Faculty bring real-world experience and instruction to the classroom, which is immediately relevant to your career. We can offer career support, and academic resources for adult students. Whether you're looking for to complete your bachelor's or master's degree, enroll in a professional certificate program, Lewis has the right program for you. Lewis offers several career-focused programs that will help you set up for success. And when was I? we're just going to the highlight here, Lewis, let's say, Lewis program, the computer science program, has eight-week sessions, can be completed in one year, concentration on software, engineering, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, digital forensic, enterprise, and cloud computing. Discover how a degree from Lewis University can help you build a better world. Learn more from lewisu.edu slash you can do this. That's lewisu.edu slash you can do this. You know who went to Lewis, Stephen? Uh, Max Drews. Max Drews, there it is. Shout out. Also oh. went to Stag High School. Yeah, he's not just the brother from DePaul. He's the brother from Lewis. 
And stag. And stag. Yeah. No one cares. No one cares about the stags. <laughs> the stag stags. What are right. they, what's their things? The thanks, bulls? Thanks for having us. Chargers. Man. Chargers. Mm, that doesn't yeah. make sense. No. At all. <laughs> um, you're a stag guy too, Jason? Oh, okay. There you go. I was like, we got too many. Oh, so you are like Jay, Jay Zawoski, also a St. Louis, Lewis guy. He went to Lewis University, or a CHGO Blackhawks guy. Now, for the White Sox, it's been really bad this year. Nine games below 500. Earlier in the pregame, we had Jackie say roster construction, and I could not agree with her more. The reason why we're going through this guy and that guy, and why don't we have this? Why don't we have a, a backup starting a starting pitcher to come up and give us starts this year? Why do we only depend on Davis Martin and Jesse Schultons for our backup? It's because Rick Hahn, I believe, is a terrible general manager. Yep. Really bad at his job. And you could say what you have to say about Jerry Manuel, or Jerry Man, Jerry Reinsdorf and how much money he gives him. He gives him plenty of money, but Rick doesn't allocate it correctly. Firstly, I'm going to ask you your faith in Rick Hahn, and then after that, I'll ask you your faith in the manager, Pedro Grafal. But, Johnny, Rick Hahn, he's on his 10th season plus. He's made the playoffs one time when there was a real season, twice if you, can, if you say that Mickey Mouse Eaton was real in 2020. What's your faith in Rick Hahn right now? Uh, I don't have faith at all. Okay. Um, I think I probably speak for most Sox fans right now. I mean, just – I mean, we were all – Giddy, we were all excited when we did all those trades, when we were doing everything, when we, you know, got rid of Chris Sale and, you know, we got Yuan and we got, you know, Michael Kolpeck. And it just seemed like there he was going to be the guy that was going to lead us to this World Series. Everybody had all these expectations. I think a lot of us, uh, the big-name players were saying that, hey, we're going to be like 2023 uh, World Series champions. I mean, it was everywhere. Um I don't have faith. I mean, obviously, we were just uh, hitting on it as far as Giolito and what we're going to do in, in that trade deadline. Um, I don't have faith with faith whatsoever. I don't want him touching anything whatsoever as far as the players is concerned. Um, I just feel right now that we need to rebuild this organization, let alone this team. But I think if you are going to go get another GM, get somebody from a winning organization, go get somebody from the Tampa Bay organization who doesn't have any money, who's less of of, of getting like a, a bunch of players for, you know, a bunch of big uh, big contracts like the Mets and the Phillies, uh, get somebody who who can uh, who can get prospects, who could get a better form system year in year out. Because look at how the Tampa Bay Rays are. I mean, they're they're always good every single year. Uh, another team, Houston, get somebody from the Houston organization. I know, yes, you know, they had that whole scandal and all that, but they always have, seems that they have good people in their organization to run a team the right way. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't have any faith whatsoever uh, with Rick Hahn, and I don't want him touching anything with the White Sox in the near future. Yeah, and that's the scary, right? Everyone's ready to do the rebuild 3.0. We don't want Rick Hahn to do the re- nope. rebuild 3.0 because he failed with 1.0 and 2.0. Uh, he had that quote, remember, about he got cocky. We made the playoffs talking about parades. Wake me for the parade. Um, <laughs> there's no parades anytime soon. Um, so, yeah, it stinks because whether or not we're going for it or, you know, we should be buyers or we should be sellers and the rebuild's coming, there's no way Rick Hahn should get another crack at it. You know, you mentioned 10 years. That's probably three years too many, you know, like, after five, six years of futility, maybe get rid of him. But then that goes to a bigger point of Jerry being loyal to a fault. We see that all the time with the Bulls and with the White Sox. So, yeah, um, no, no faith whatsoever in Rick Hahn. Um, the only thing I have faith in Rick Hahn is him getting there, um, talking to the media every homestand and just word salad and just verbal diarrhea. But other than that, I have faith in no faith in Rick Hahn. It's a good transition. We're going to go to Guaranteed Rate and talk to somebody who did talk to Rick Hahn today, who spoke before the game, I think mostly because of Liam Hendricks' stint to the IL. It's Jared Willis. Uh, he covers both White Sox and Cubs for us here at CHGO. He's joining us right now from Guaranteed Rate Press Box. Jared, how's it going out there? Um, I wish uh, we were. I was joining you guys on a, a better afternoon, but 
that's that's the way it goes. That's Johnny by my side. That's Jared over there. And Jared, after the game, I mean, we're all demoralized. What did Pedro have to say about this loss, and uh, how did he take this loss? Was he taking like, oh, it's just another one, or this is a crushing loss like the rest of us did? No, he he, uh, he, he said this was a tough one for him. Um, and, and it was – you could see it in his body language too, um, tone of his voice, you know, the way he was talking. Like this this is – this was – legitimately one that's that's going to be tough for him to swallow and that and that's what he told us he said yesterday was a hard one um today was felt a little bit worse and so for as much as white Sox fans are feeling it for what it's worth know that he seems to be feeling it too i think some of the same kinds of frustration he has i was also wondering before the game we saw that tim wasn't in the lineup did he say that was just a get him rest day or would you say that hey, yesterday was unacceptable I'm gonna sit him down for a day well at least I mean what he said to us before the game was that this was a, a rest day this was strictly about you know with the day off tomorrow on their way to, to Los Angeles this gave him the chance for two days off in a row for Tim Anderson so he said it was just about that um, now you know the timing of it you do have to wonder given you know, the play on in Saturday's game. But again, at least what he told us with this, this was strictly about giving Tim, you know, a day off of his legs. Jared, um, so we watched the game here. We went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. You talked about Pedro kind of owning it and wearing it on their face. How's the clubhouse? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always, always quiet in there after any kind of a loss, but especially, you know, one like today where I think there's a few guys who feel a sense of responsibility because you don't necessarily pin any one loss on, on one guy, but there's definitely a couple who in that locker room feel like this this one's a little more on them. And, and one of those that we spoke to was, was Kendall Graveman. He said, you know, what he told us was, there's nobody more bothered by this than Keenan Middleton and, and myself. Because he said they, they both kind of felt a sense of like, this one's a little bit on us. And what, you know, what Kendall told us was that this was just simply a poor execution on his part. He said he knew the game plan. He knew the pitches he needed to throw. He just wasn't executing the way that he had been over the last several weeks. And unfortunately, the, the Marlins hitters just capitalized. And what about Lucas Giolito? What do you have to say after another phenomenal start from him? Seven innings pitching. Uh, I think he struck out eight today. I mean, it's tough loss for him. I'm sure he wasn't in a jovial mood after his team gave up the lead, but his performance was awesome. Yeah, it really was. And I think that's part of what made this loss particularly frustrating as the team feels like they wasted or spoiled just a, a fantastic outing by Lucas Giolito. Um, yeah, he was pleased with, with his performance. He said, you know, he, he knew he was facing some tough hitters, you know, especially with Luis Arias at the top of that lineup. That's, you know, that's a tough battle just by itself. But he talked about feeling good about, you know, his execution, but also, you know, spoke highly of just what the game plan was going into it and knowing, you know, what pitches to throw in, in different situations and working out of, of jams. I asked him about that spot in the third inning in particular when the bases got loaded with two outs and, just how he approached that um, is one of the things we've been able to see in his progression as a starter is the way that he keeps innings from really kind of blowing up on him uh, the way that they used to when he was a younger pitcher earlier in his career, you'd see something like that happen. And then that turns into a big inning. Whereas now he, he gets the strikeout when he needs it and shuts, shuts things down. So he was pleased with his performance, but just the, you know, the, the mood in that clubhouse is definitely it's quiet and somber. So, you know, you, you take some satisfaction out of what you did by your on your own. But, you know, the, the big picture thing is you needed that win today. Another bright spot, along with Lucas Giolito and David Snyder's in the comments talking about Frazier. Um, he got on base a couple of times. He was driven in by Luis Robert, um, which at the time was insurance runs that the Sox definitely needed. Um, Herb asked about T.A. getting an off day and Clint substituting very well, I think. I think. Um, how was he 
post game, or did anybody talk about how Clint Frazier really helped this team today? Yeah, he. I mean, post game, he was he wasn't around. We didn't see him. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed that as well. That was something that stood out to me. At this spot where he's clearly filling in for Tim Anderson in that leadoff spot and gets gets on base twice, and then I think stole a base. And so doing some of those things that you want your leadoff hitter to do, get yourself on base, take the extra base. He did all of that well. Um, so yeah, definitely a bright spot. And so something that you know he's he's increasingly intriguing as just a fourth fifth outfield option for these guys when they need it um and and given his you know his his background he's a former first rounder that was a long time ago but um you know there's some potential in there and he's you know still to me feels a little bit like a guy who's if you get the right situation you could really unlock something there and then we had before the game jared rick Hahn speaking with you guys because of the 15-day IL stint from Liam Hendricks with a right elbow inflammation and Tanner Banks being called up from AAA Charlotte. What did Rick have to say about Liam and what happened uh, in that conversation? Did he only talk about Liam? Uh, Yeah, he spoke a little bit about, you know, some of the other guys on the team, but not a whole lot. This was, you know, it it was a fairly short conversation with Rick today, and it was, I'd say, 90% about Liam because he he kind of described the the sequence of events from Liam's appearance on Friday night to what you know what led to him being put on the IL this morning and um, the way that Rick Hahn described it is he says that you know he, he said it was symptomatically similar to what put Liam on the injured list last year um, for I think it was almost a month you know, not, not quite a full 30 days. And so there's, there's some optimism, you know, it's very like uh, measured optimism that this could be something like that again. And so that we're not looking at something really serious because, you know, obviously you don't want to lose your closer at any point, but especially given the circumstances with Liam Hendricks to seeing him fight so hard for such a long time to get back on the mound make it back, be back for two weeks and just start to look like he's really finding his groove. And then this happens. So, you know, Hans spoke mostly just about like what, what their plan is going to be uh, with Hendricks going forward. And he said, there's, you know, more closer examination today, um, a little bit more on Monday. And he said to expect the next update will probably come Tuesday in Los Angeles. So that'll be something for, Sox fans to keep an eye out for come Tuesday is, you know, the, the next update on, on Hendricks. But like I said, Han likened it to what happened with Hendricks in June of last year. So if you're looking for something to be optimistic about in this situation, there there's at least that. And to read up more about it, you can go to allchgo.com. Jared's got a piece up there and you'll have like a post game uh, story. What are we smoking on the way back? I, I saved a good one for today. I, um, I have a Romeo y Julieta anniversary cigar. So that's a brand that's a favorite of mine. And I got some of the anniversary sticks not too long ago. And those are good. So on a chilly Sunday afternoon, it's going to hit the spot. And you're going to celebrate Southpaw's birthday in a celebratory fashion. Now Southpaw's oh, all yes. dead and <laughs> depressed oh, what are you doing the, to Southpaw? sorry Southpaw. rest <laughs> in peace on your birthday um anything else uh jared and the news and notes uh, wise for the white Sox in the post game uh, that that was that was it we talked to Romeo a little bit um but yeah generally speaking the the mood in the clubhouse was uh the last two days have been tough but that's baseball sometimes you got to flush it move on i know that's hard for fans to hear sometimes because you, you know, you you have to ride that wave every day. And especially given how this season started, you're really looking for this team to gain some ground. Uh, But the guys in the clubhouse, that's, that's kind of where things are at. All right, Jared. Uh, I hope uh, Romy got asked about Missy Carroll's in the DMs, but uh, probably not. You guys are professionals. You guys not jokes like myself, whatever. Jay Willis, uh, wise instead of eyes. You can follow him on Twitter. Like I said, allchgo.com. Check him out. He uh, covers us. For the White Sox this weekend, and then I think next weekend you'll be covering the Cubs also? Yeah, I'll be at Wrigley most of the next week. 
All right. So check them out. Thank you very much, Jared. Thank Appreciate you, Jared. It. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, guys. What are you drinking over there, Johnny? You drinking a delicious three one two from the Goose Island folks? Absolutely, it's oh, very man. tasty. Same thing you're drinking, Peter three one two. I got one of these bad boys. I got a tall boy. Uh huh. See, CHO supported by Goose Island Beer <laughs> Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. Their beer roster includes the Goose IPA, a six time medal winner at the Great American Beer Fest, always in style, citrus aroma, bold hop finish, a tropical beer hug, which our guy Jason I think tried for the first time today. Caught up with them eventually. Caught up. Because those yeah. things are 9.9, but they go down real smooth. You drink it like, man, I'm cooling. I'm chilling. This is not extra hoppy. And then at the like hour, that's like, mm, all right, we're good. And we're all drinking the 312 Weedale, as, of course, uh, Vinny's favorite. And my favorite is the Full Pocket Pills, the everyday beer. It's what the brewers at, at uh, Goose Island drink. What are your favorite beers right now? Let's see. Grab an ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at Goose Island's original brew house at Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room right here in Westtown on Fulton Street. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. Now i got to go all the way back and find this comrade read. I'm going to do both people. Oh, okay. This is going to be a new one. All right. I'm not that I don't trust you guys. Just I just don't want you guys to be doing work on your off day. Method, I, method actor Herb. Let's see it. Okay. The ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve, helping manage energy usage, usage, lower energy bills now and into the future, Herb. Thank you, Herb. Yes, ComEd offers a wide variety of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades, commercial, industrial, public sector customers of all sizes across the territory. ComEd also offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities like HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, and industrial processes. Herb, how does that work? I'm glad you asked, Herb. I talked to myself a lot. I had a podcast where I talked to myself for about six months, and Tanny joined, and I got to talk to him. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within two to four weeks, customers will receive their report detailing energy efficiency projects that can save them and start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. If you own a business, don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy-saving tips, lighting incentives, or to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. That's comed.com slash poweringbiz. Yeah, schedule it today. When you're talking to yourself, these are weird. <laughs> For your consideration, the Academy. Mm-hmm. Herb Lawrence. One more read. That guy all the way at the end of our table, it's his birthday today. That's Southpaw. We got that from FOCO. The guy that's closest to me. Tim Anderson, we got that from FOCO, and we really appreciate them hooking us up. So get fitted in your best beer, sports gear around FOCO, hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. It's spring and baseball season. Aloha shirts. See that shirt right there? That shirt was not from FOCO. That's from the White Sox, but that's kind of what Aloha shirt looks like. Straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for a game. Set de- decorations like to Tim and the uh, Southpaw decoration donated by FOCO. Go show them some love check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non pre-sale items Ugh. for no i gotta read that right for all non pre-sale items use the promo code chgo for 10 percent off all right i was asking you guys about rick Hahn. you both agreed i agree the gauge by bic and uh, dougie agree that he is not the guy to lead us into the future are you exactly Steven, I think also, he's a big time. Yeah, he could go. Yeah. I'm I'm done with him. Now, the guy that he hired, Pedro Grafal. It's been more than a third of the season that's gone by. I know you're supposed to give rookie managers the full year to make their rookie mistakes, but your thoughts on what you've seen of Pedro Grafal early in his career. I'll start with you, Peter. So it's tough, right? Because at the beginning of the year with all the injuries, everyone going down, the bullpen being banged up, I had on our podcast talked about how you got to give them some rope. You know, there's going to be learning woes, a rookie manager. It's going to, there's going to be ups and downs. But now, like you mentioned, now a third of the way into the season, 
there's warts, you know, there's flaws that stand out. Dougie in the pregame talked about giving uh, sometimes the starting pitchers too much rope or when a the bullpen arm is struggling, he doesn't get people warmed up early enough. Um, just in this game, we thought this the this discussion was going to go differently because it looked like he was ready to get Lucas Giolito out of the game. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Lucas wanted to stay in. Mm-hmm. You know, they're talking under the glove. And at that point, Lucas Giolito won out. And rightfully so. He got out out of the inning, and you start the bullpen fresh at the next inning. And I was like, wow, that could have gone a lot differently, and we could have second-guessed Pedro Grufold. Um, So at this point, he's not won me over, Mm -hmm. but I'm still giving him just a little bit more rope just because of the injuries more than anything else. Johnny? I mean, I think when we were – they were trying to get a manager. I mean, everyone was speaking high hopes with Pedro when he was in that organization with the Kansas City Royals that won the World Series. Yep. You know, as a bench coach and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, this wasn't the guy that we wanted. You know, obviously, this was just somebody that, you know, they were just snooping around, see what, who we can get, and obviously they, they chose him at the end. Um, my, my, my thoughts is that I just feel that with him – it is his rookie season. Like, he's still learning his players. Obviously, yes, we are in a third of the season. I get that. But you just got to give him time to to really assess his first season. So, right now, I'm I'm, I'm okay with him right now. Yes, is he making mistakes? Absolutely. Uh, but this is his first time managing. I mean, I don't know how many managers, when they first started, they were making mistakes and were people calling him out just because – Right now, we have the record that we have. So, obviously, the spotlight is going to be on him because, you know, he's the one who's managing this team. He's doing the lineups, everything. Um, but, like I said, um, the players have to have to play as well, too. They, they have to be pitching out there. they got to pitch good. These are major league players. So, you, you have to go out there and play for your manager. So, I can't give 100% fault on, on him right now. So, as of right now, uh, no, I think – Obviously, he's not in no hot seat right now because this is his first year, but I'm just saying that right now I just think that he's going to make mistakes. Um, I'm just not going to judge him that, that hard as of right now. thing that I have problems with, Pedro, things that you have guys have pointed out and also Dougie and HBIC in the pregame, it's mostly that he just doesn't have the backbone yet to tell Tim Anderson, to tell Andrew Benintendi, you guys ain't getting the job done. And until you do, bottom of the line was for y'all. You need to go to six and seven because we can't have the top of our lineups just not getting on base and then also not hitting home runs. Like, the not hitting home runs thing, fine, but you're not really getting on base at a high clip. Andrew Bentini, I think it's like 340 now. Fine, but, you know, you're the two-hitter. You're supposed to be providing a little bit more than he has so far, and Tim has just been, for the most part, lost at the plate. So I need a manager to go up to people and say, this is a meritocracy. I know you've had this leadoff hitter thing for a minute now, Tim. It's earned, though. It's 100% earned. Now, guy Dougie, TA7 spot. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, so Tuesday is going to be really how I'm going to see. For the first time, It's gonna. it seems like TA has, you know, you had you had an off day today. Mm-hmm. You're, or you're off tomorrow. You're going to the – to um, the Dodgers. Yep. If he's batting top of the order, you will be. That's where we're gonna have issues because, like you had mentioned, does Pedro have you know the balls to do something about it? Because right now he hasn't shown that. No, I I just want him. Like, how long? How many? How many games does he get to not be the guy he was? Like, when will he get out of it? Some will say, well, he had injury. He was out for a while. I was like, yeah, I got it. But you don't. Just get the whole season to see if you're going to snap out of it. That's what happened to the White Sox last year where they are just like, oh, eventually they're going to be good, and they never were. And I think, as I think uh, Jason put it, he's a motivated guy. Like, you talk shit about him, he gets motivated. They see the home run last year, New York, where you get uh, Josh Donaldson calling him Jackie. You know, when he's doubted that he can actually hit in the leadoff spot, he goes out and wins a batting title. Um He's motivated by dissension, motivated by haters, as the kids would call it. Yeah, a, but a bulletin board guy. But he needs to be guy. motivated by more because right now he's hitting 263. His OPS, I think, is in the 600s. So it's like 263, 300, and 311 for slugging percentage. 
he's definitely going down 6-11. See what I did there, guys? <laughs> nice. uh, Not only that, though, we saw at the time Elvis Andrew made, like, a game-saving play yeah. at shortstop, a, a play that I'm not so sure Tim Anderson makes, a play that Tim Anderson didn't make yesterday. Oh, so gosh. it's not only that, like, Clint Fla- Frazier showed you what, like, a valuable leadoff spot can be, but it's also Elvis Andrew, as much as he's terrible at the plate, that play saved the game at the time. It did. Um, and I'm not so sure Tim does makes that play. All right, last thing I got for you guys, and then follow these guys at Shy Sports Bums on Twitter and their individual ones. There is Peter Fonseca and Windy City Rebel 4, the number four, and then HBIC, that's Head Bum in Charge, and, of course, Douglas M. 1986. The three games in L.A., the probable starters. We have Lance Lynn going for the White Sox against Tony Goslin on Tuesday. Wednesday is Mike Clevenger versus Clayton Kershaw. Dylan Cease versus Michael Grove on Thursday evening. Two out of three, can the White Sox somehow, some way, win two out of three versus these guys where Goslin has a 221 ERA, Kershaw has a 295. The Grove guy has a almost nine ERA, eight twenty-eight ERA, so that means he's going to be going seven innings, no hit ball. Jeez. I think HBIC predicted this bump today. Uh, Garrett, whatever his name was, Braxton, Braxton, Garrett. Braxton Garrett, Garrett, to go seven innings and or five innings and a third and strike out nine. So can the White Sox possibly? We doubted them that going to New York, winning two out of three. Can they go to the LA and win two out of three versus them? Can they? Yes. Will they? Probably not. Um, Lance Lynn against a good team scares me. Um, SP5 against anybody also is like it's a coin flip, you know. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's pitched like a decent five pitcher should. Yeah. But you can't rely on that, nope. especially against the Dodgers. That's what makes these last two losses so f- frustrating because you sweep the Marlins, then you go into the Dodgers series almost with house money, you know. Yep. Win one and we're still okay. Um, these last two games, um, just giving them away, now going into L.A., it's tough with Lance Lynn on the mound. So, no, um, I have no faith in that. I mean, I just feel like we always have a hard time in the West Coast in general, regardless if it's the Dodgers or the Angels or or whoever. We just always seem like we can never win, even against the A's. Um, But, you know, getting back to the Dodgers, you know, who would have thought that they would have took two out of three from the Yankees? Nobody did. But we didn't have, but we didn't have like. I'm sorry, put your hands up. But um, <laughs> but, Jason called it. But 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 they didn't have they didn't have Judge at the time as well too. So that kind of really helped, you know, out the White Sox. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know, it, it is possible you could take two out of three. You can even sweep them. Um, I'm not saying that that's going to happen on either or. Um, I mean, it's the Dodgers. I mean, are are they the same Dodgers as they were a years past? Um, they're still a good team. But I just, I just feel like we'll probably sneak maybe one game with, with the C's game. I just, to me, I, I don't know how much longer I, I could deal with, with Lynn right now. I mean, he's just such a – he's digressed um, since last year, and I, I, I just don't have too much faith with him. But, um, I mean, overall, I, I just feel like the Dodgers are going to take two out of three here. All right, for the rest of the schedule, it's – I think it's 17 games. The White Sox are 6-3 and three so far in the month of June. Three in Dodgers Stadium, three in Mariners. Come back home for the Texas Rangers, who I think are the second-best team in the league at 40-28. and 28, Or 48-20, and 20. Jesus Christ. Their and starting pitching is very good. They're 41-23. and 23. The Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, also oh, the Rays are the better team? Yeah, 48-20 and 20, the Rays are. Oof. Oof. The Red Sox at home. Then you have four... In L.A., which I don't understand why you got to go to L.A. twice in mm-hmm. two weeks, and then they got to go to Oakland for the last game of June. Will the White Sox maintain above 500 record? Right now they're at 6-3 and three for the month of June. Will they be above 500 at the end of that stretch? I'm going to say yes. Okay, um, so they have three games in hand to do that, right. too. So I'd be happy with 500 from here on out which would still keep them at three games over for the month. Mm-hmm. And in this division, that's all you can hope for, and that's probably better than the other teams will because we talked about it, right? Um, the, the Twins lost again today. The Indians they won. won. The Tigers lost. So 
But and the I Royals mean, suck. The, the Tigers are over. Yeah, you owe, you owe money to the to the Kitty saying Guardians instead of Indians. I'm mean, saying Indians instead of Guardians. I do fair it all enough. The time. Can we take it from Julie's donation? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think they'll be all right. I, I think that, that's all I hope we're all hoping for. You know, you just got to stay afloat because this division's there, and no one's going to run away with it. Johnny, any belief they can stay over five hundred? I think so. Too. I, I I agree. I mean, I just feel like who would have thought that they would have became this close in the division? No one. Um, so I, I I just feel right now, yeah. I mean, it's been a weird season. So I mean, I think it's possible. Um, I just I just think that. Uh, well, we're we're just hanging around right now. That, that, that's that's like the key. The Pee Wee's uh, Playhouse word of the day is they're hanging around here. They don't have alligator blood, though. Yeah. So, um, I don't think so. I think the White Sox are going to lose a lot, especially this uh, this whole sweep right here. Dodgers going to sweep them, and I think the Mariners are going to sweep them in S- Seattle. Whoa! Yeah, that's it's going to be bad. Lead. It's going to be bad because, firstly, they only have five pitchers, and the fifth pitcher uh, will be Lance, or the sixth pitcher will be Lance Lynn again in Seattle. So he's pitching two of those games in the six games. You're going against really start tough starting pitchers against the Dodgers. I haven't seen the starters for the Mariners, who are one game below 500 right now. But we know, as Johnny said, playing out there in the West Coast never a good thing. Then the Texas Rangers come here, bad. Boston Red Sox, there's where we get two out of three. Yeah. And the Angels for four out there in Anaheim. You split that and maybe, maybe win the one game in June versus the Athletics. But we already know the house of horrors that Oakland Alameda Coliseum is for the White Sox, even though they've won like 12 games this year. Let's see. They've won 17 games now. Oh, shit. Break up the Oakland A's. Yeah, look at that. Win five in a row. Holy hell. World beaters. What the hell happened? (laughs) Five games in a row, the Oakland Athletics are coming for the Kansas City Royals. Have the White Sox won five games in a row this season? They did. And they lost immediately to the Yankees that same day. So that is going to do it for us. But before I leave, tell the folks where they could see you on the Bumcast, all your guys' information. Go ahead. Uh, The Bumcast, Chicago Sports Bums on YouTube. We are on Monday nights at 9 p.m. live, just like this show. You can comment along. We talk Mostly White Sox and Bears for a little while, and then a lot of nonsense and pop culture. The other thing I should mention, uh, Whiskey at Comiskey is the tailgates that we host at Lot B uh, for White Sox games. We have one on the 24th, um, noon-ish. You could find us there. Food, beer, drinks, and a lot of whiskey. Um, so those are the two things. The Bumpcast 9 p.m., and then Whiskey at Comiskey, and then all of our respective Twitter handles. That is a really good day, too, because that's when they host the Boston Red Sox yep. at 310. They're giving away a White Sox basketball jersey. I think the one that uh, Yasmani wore a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nice. It's really dope. So go out to see the bums. I've been out to a couple of their things. I have their actual shirt underneath here, which I should pull off, but, you know, it show way too much stomach. But they have a <laughs> great time, great bourbon, guys. They, they know their, their drink. They handed me a cigar. I got high as hell off of that. In a second. So come on out. Get yourself a basketball jersey. Get yourself some food. And also, you know, get some of their gear so they can keep on having these things. Go to Shy Sports Bums. You guys got a website? Uh, the, the gear is at shysportsbums.bigcartel.com. All of the money that we get from T-shirt sales go to the Whiskey at Comiskey Tailgates for the food and drinks and all of those costs. And we have uh, bear shirts. We have white sock shirts. And we have general bum shirts but we appreciate anyone that's bought a shirt and we appreciate all of your support before we get going herb uh i appreciate you and sean w anderson steven everyone at chgo has mm-hmm. been really nice and really helpful to us um so we can't thank you enough for having us here and just ju- just your general support in general that's oh, all good thank you guys you guys are awesome people grassroots company like yourself and you guys helped me drink bourbon which i didn't like before you guys <laughs> we're gonna need to drink more bourbon after oh, tonight my so. god i'm gonna go home and find a bourbon i don't have no, actually i do i have uh danny parkins gave me a park uh parting gift when i left the score i've got it's like high west or something like that oh uh, we're gonna get you some bourbon don't worry yeah. About <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah and i've tried some evan williams i was like uh it's decent but i'm sure there's better than evan williams right it just sounds like some dude down the street. Hey, I made some whiskey. You want some? Evan Williams <laughs> probably played for the Marlins today some, somewhere. Uh, in the yes. <laughs> Got a hit. Yeah. Somebody walked him. 
Well, that'll do for the CHGO White Sox post game. It's a sad one. The White Sox lose again to the GD Miami Marlins, six to five. We'll have an off day show tomorrow. I'm not even sure what time it is, Steven. It's like 4.30, 5.30. It'll happen sometime. Just follow me on Twitter, Ecknerwall23. I will tell you when our off day show is over. Steven, and with his good fingers right here, can get 3.30 p.m. Ooh, 3.30 p.m. Live from Studio A. It will be myself, Vinny, and Sean back in the driver's seat, so I don't have to be in here until he goes away for a vacation again. Follow us on Twitter at Chicago, uh, CHGO underscore White Sox. Can't follow Steven because he's not on any of the Twitters. He's a I'm jerk off the like grid. that. I'm off the grid. On, Very, he's a horrible yeah. guy like that. And he also wants hustle too, guys. So if you're out there on the bases, show hustle or Steven, his 30-year-old ass will come there. I will call you out on air. And yell at you. Steven. I'm talking to you, Josh Harrison. Ugh, Steve, oh, it's, oh, it's wow. Steven Nicholas, our Oh, he hated Steve, Josh Harrison all last year. He's like, man, why is he grooving it up? Why he can go to third base? <laughs> he's he on his little up. mini bike. He's high stepping. He's not running though. That's the last thing he's gonna do. <laughs> the oldest thirty-year-old. Josh Harrison ricochet side. I didn't expect oh, that. He's in, he's in Philadelphia somewhere. Like, what the hell? Is that Stephen Nicholas getting me again? Thank you to Douglas. Is I call you Douglas? Is that your full name, Douglas? It's Dougie Fresh and Jason HBIC for joining us in the pregame. We want to join you tomorrow at 3 o'clock for our off-day show where we talk more White Sox and this depressing-ass team. And then we'll have post-game, pre- and post-game for that Dodger series on Tuesday. See you then. Happy birthday, Southpaw. Yeah.